We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. More CBS Eye on Veterans now. I'm Chaz Henry. For an art professor and filmmaker at a college along California's central coast... It was art where she and her students had not expected to find it. California State University Monterey Bay sits on land that was once part of the Army base Fort Ord. For many years before the base was shut down in 1994, it had been home to the 7th Infantry Division. When Professor Enid Baxter Rice got permission to take her students through abandoned buildings on the former post, they found wall paintings by dozens and dozens of muralists in uniform. Those murals and what they imply about the lives of soldiers stationed at Fort Ord over the years make up a big part of an impressionistic documentary Enid Baxter Rice has produced called A Land for War. So there's three different kinds of murals that you'd find in the buildings on Fort Ord. There's the first one, which I think people who you know aren't in the military would expect to see more propagandistic, the kind that say, you know, we're in the 7th Infantry Division, this is what we're here to do, um, things about duty and, um, and bravery and trustworthiness, and they're beautifully done. And then there's a second kind, which are more like, I, you can see like, oh, this, is, this person's an artist, they're looking at maybe Japanese woodblock prints and depicting the lone cypress, and um, so they're, they're really people working on their artistry and reflecting the landscape or the history of art. And then the third kind are memories or fantasies or um, emotions, and they're powerful and they're really strong. And to someone who, you know, isn't from a military uh, background, it was really surprising to see all these different kinds of powerful images in these buildings just on the walls, and then to find out that uh, soldiers were allowed to paint on the walls. And sometimes I'm teaching in a university classroom that doesn't have any art on the walls. And I say to the students, there's actually more art in that abandoned building over there because there was a civilization here that valued art as part of its daily routine. And that was the U.S. Army. You also can sort of reverse engineer what people were doing and thinking at that point in their lives, I think, by looking at some of that art. Yes. And another thing that's really interesting about it is some of them are palimpsests, you know, images that are layered. So there might be a painting that was started during the Vietnam War that then is finished during a later conflict or maybe a, a, a you know, a later police action. Um, so that's really intriguing, too. And you see landscapes, you know, that, you know, it's like, oh, that that is Panama or, you know, it's really exciting. So people depicting uh, their soldier experience even uh, occurring elsewhere around the world. Yes. You, yes, there's definitely there are jungles, there are deserts, sometimes across. There's one hallway that, that was my favorite that had a giant jungle on the left side and a giant desert on the right side. It's uh, you, you see Central America. Um, it's, it's really amazing. And the 
process of going into an aborted up abandoned building with a flashlight and finding a giant mural is just wonderful. So tell us where the the concept that's embodied in the name A Land for War came from. I began to really think about Fort Ord as a place um, that had, just like the murals, so many different layers. Um, And I began to think about how a lot of its history um, you know, it's it's adjacent to the Presidio of Monterey, which is one of the longest running military bases on this continent, that this landscape was really used to train people to go to war. There's there for a lot of the time I've lived here, the ground was littered with um, shells like from M16s and uh, all of the images around us on the walls were all about. And yet the presence of the army is what presented this critical wilderness area of chaparral oak forest and, you know, preserved it. And that's why we, we have this national monument today. So just thinking about that, that purpose of this beautiful place. I did a 20 year career in the Marine Corps. And I remember very early on, I was maybe 19 or 20 years old and I was on a base in Hawaii and I was laying out in the middle of a field, looking up at the stars at night and it was completely quiet. And this was a big chunk of real estate that had been set aside. And as you say, preserved, not developed with, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, condominiums and such. And and it struck me as ironic that some of the places where people train for violence are some of the most peaceful pieces of land uh, in the country. That's true. And it's amazing to me uh, when I'm talking, you know, with my students and there's, uh, they're there to, now they're studying filmmaking and spaces that were used to study warfare. Um, But the thing I also try to express to them when we're, we do our units about the history of Fort Ord is that there is another cohort of people their age who they don't have a lot of contact with who are fighting in wars right now. Talk a little bit about the history of the base. What, what were the years that it operated and, and what did the Army do with the land then? So this area um, was originally called Giggling Reservation when it became part of the U.S. Um, the U.S. Army. And um, the story is that one of the first units that was here was a Buffalo Soldier unit just uh, at the end of the Civil War. So it's been in, in use by, for a long time <laughs> for the, by the military. Um, we see that there, uh, there was a lot of cavalry practice happening um, in this area related to the, the Presidio. And then um, during World War II, after the um, the attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, Fort Ord really came alive. And um, it was first just big tents, all um, more on the East Garrison side of the base, uh, while these rapidly constructed wood structures went up on the west side of the base. They were meant to be temporary, those structures, but they stayed in use until uh, the last deployment in 1993, which was to quell the LA riots. Um, there's some of many, many of them are still standing today. You can see them now. Um, and then uh, you also see large cement structures. Everyone calls them the hammerheads. They have kind of a mess hall structure in the front. And then there's the dorms that can house about, uh, well, can house a battalion. Those were built during the Korean War. And they're really strong and they have lots of rebar in them. And they're, those are also starting to be removed right now, like many of them. Uh, are being removed uh, as I speak. Um, and so the, the base um, continued uh, after, the, when, during the Vietnam War, it was the primary training site for uh, people in the army um, who fought in Vietnam. 
Um, and it became the place where warfare changed uh, with the advent of the light fighters, kind of a, um, a, a, a lighter um, warfare style. The, the film offers this contrast of Fort Ord uh, during the Vietnam era as a mm-hmm. training site for soldiers that would go on to fight in Vietnam. And post-shutting down of the base then, uh, that era is also depicted in the film. Talk about that. It's a, a strange phenomenon, the, the closing of this military base. Um, it happened really quickly. Um, it wasn't, you know, the whole thing. I think when you're in the moment of history, you don't realize maybe how historical it is. So there wasn't, there were some things that weren't documented. Um, all of the buildings were locked and, um, and, and just abandoned. And so it was, it was a, I think, uh, my husband grew up in this community. His dad trained at Fort Ord. And, um, you know, they talk about how, how alive and how vibrant the base was. And then suddenly it was closed. Um, by the time that, that I came to work at CSU Monterey Bay in 2006, the buildings were starting to decay a little bit. They'd all been sort of unlocked, um, during a search of the buildings that had happened years before. Um, and you can see, uh, you know, at that time, there were people who painted graffiti in the buildings, but they always left the soldiers' murals alone, and the buildings were kind of weathering. Um, but then there's a tipping point around 2011 where they, they really start to be very blighted. Um, I think people from outside our area start to see it as a graffiti place. Um, people begin dumping, um, you know, landscape waste or demolition waste. On, around the base, um, and it, it becomes pretty bleak. Um, and so now we're in a, a place where the Department of Defense has invested in removing the buildings on campus and developers, now that the economy is going better, are beginning to get interested in revitalizing the area. But uh, it, was a, it was a pretty strange time. It, it almost was as if there had been a disaster that happened in a town and um, no one had ever returned. It is like a town. Because Fort Ord was really a self-contained city, especially in the 60s when it was closed off to the public. So you have everything from laundromats to restaurants to snack shops that are sitting uh, abandoned. Art professor and filmmaker Enid Baxter-Rice. Her documentary, A Land for War, explores what you might call the archaeological remains of Fort Ord, former army base near Monterey, California. There's no narration in the film, and it melds together current, kind of haunting footage of abandoned buildings with scenes of a recent on-site event designed to help homeless vets in the area, and clips from an official Vietnam-era army film showing soldiers doing boot camp training at Fort Ord before heading off to fight in Southeast Asia. You know, for me as an artist, I always say that my practice is really rooted in a sense of place. I grew up in a Revolutionary War reenactment town on the East Coast. on the border of Pennsylvania and New Jersey uh, called Washington's Crossing where George Washington crossed the Delaware for the Battle of Trenton. Uh, so more military history. And then um, it, at the same time, it was a mining town and I watched a whole mountain get cut down during my childhood. And so I feel like that built this real sensitivity in me to this idea of history and a sense of place and a sense of belonging. And so um, watching this place that is historically so significant on a national level, but also on a personal level to over 1 million people. Um, it, it, it's very profound. Um, and so uh, I, I feel really 
grateful to have been able to spend so much time documenting this incredible place. What do you think uh, uh, someone who served on Fort Ord over its years of operation will experience uh, when they watch your movie? Well, my movie is a little more experimental, and I always try to make more normal films, and I never do. I just always quite kind <laughs> of make these experimental <laughs> projects. But the Army Corps of Engineers made a great history film of, of Fort Ord, um, so you know that has the narration. And um, my film, it affects you emotionally. Um, it doesn't tell you what to think. It presents the place to you and, and lets you experience it. And I hope it mirrors the experience both of someone new finding it or someone who's been there rediscovering it. Um, it was especially fun to work with the archival footage, which is beautiful and had heavy narration on it from the army, um, you know, talking about the excitement of basic training and becoming a, becoming a man, because it's called men from the boys. And, um, I was able to remove that um, that audio and reconstruct a more naturalistic audio, so you can really see, you know, how how hard it is. I think the basic training, and I, I feel like you become connected to them. And um, I think also that the part of the film that is portraits connecting to homelessness and veteran homelessness creates a metaphorical relationship between the, uh, um, the uh, sort of abandoned buildings and the people who, you know, at, at that moment aren't, are also not being taken care of. Talk about that sequence then. Uh, explain what a, uh, a homeless stand-down is and, and how it was conducted on Fort Ord, uh, uh, an event that was taking place as you were doing your filming. Yes, it was... It was uh, so a stand down is amazing. It's um, here. I've only been to the one here. Um, and it was organized by the Veterans Transition Center in collaboration with the Veterans Transition Center of Marina. And um, for this one, it's almost like a military base created out of tents that um, has services for veterans to give them a weekend of respite, to give them a weekend to stand down. Um, so there are services like a court to help um, clear tickets that homeless people get tickets um, and that are hard and kind of a nuisance to deal with. There's medical care. There's dental care. There's um, people from the Veterans um, Department of Military and Veterans Affairs are there to help people maybe file paperwork so they can get the assistance that they need or, um, you know, uh, um, more medical treatment. There is a chaplain's tent. Um, there's music, there's a mess hall, um, and there's dormitories for men and women, um, that are really safe. Um, there are children who are there sometimes if there are families, um, you can get a haircut, you can take a shower, you can get a shave. And, um, so, uh, one of the other things that we had the year that I was there, um, I had begun collaborating with the Library of Congress Veterans History Project. Um, they had seen my work at a conference on public history and asked me if I would help them to collect stories from Fort Ord with my students. So I did that. Um, and it was really fun. And as we were talking about the stand down that was coming up, we realized they hadn't really had a process in place to collect the stories of homeless veterans for the archive because there's paperwork you need to do with addresses and contacts. And um, sometimes people don't have that information. So we figured out a system so that we could collect those stories in a tent at the stand down and have them become part of the Library of Congress collection. It was very powerful to say to someone, your story is so important. 
we're going to put it in, in the Library of Congress. So two representatives from the Library of Congress came and we had our own. We were the service provider that started providing service the earliest and they let us keep our tent up and record stories till the very end. We were the last tent to come down. Um, it was really wonderful to be there. It's also incredibly sad when the stand down ends and you see people leaving to go back out um, to the hard places they're coming from. And during the course of recording the stories, I also recorded portraits of the veterans who, who had told their stories, but others also who came up to me with, when I had the camera and asked me if I could take their picture. And um, it made me realize how special photography is, that it you know, is a way that we tell someone they're special. And I think for a lot of it, it's, it's very ubiquitous. We all have these phones we can take pictures with. But, you know, it's also maybe not as ubiquitous for these folks of so taking their picture and I was able to send them the photographs. Um, it was it was a, a really, really big honor to get to to be there and do that. And so that sequence in the film is is that series of portraits and the veterans just look into the camera and look at you. And I think it's powerful um, in the human connection. Um, it, the film lets you know the context of where those portraits are taken um, the group is so diverse and so remarkable. It really speaks to the incredible, the incredible diversity of the armed services and all the people who, who served for our country. You know, the, most of the people who served at Fort Ord were drafted. Many of them came from economic backgrounds or social backgrounds where they weren't in college during the draft of Vietnam. And so in the vision of the school, we are set up to serve underserved populations. So we're specifically reaching out to the descendants of the the folks that served here, be they veterans or not. And that's something that I think is really powerful, that this is a legacy of Fort Ord, is this university. And that was Leon Panetta and Sam Farr's vision when they set up our university. So it's, and it's something that I think we're all really mindful of, we really care about. So we have a VA, you know, center right on campus. And now we have a new, we have one, one of the new VA clinics that's both Department of Defense and VA, which is really exciting. And that's right here, too. Enid Baxter-Rice teaches at California State University, Monterey Bay, the campus of which sits on land that was once occupied by the massive Army base Fort Ord, which was shut down in 1994. That proximity led Enid to produce the documentary art film A Land for War, which offers a visual interpretation of Fort Ord. As she noted, her film isn't your usual documentary. There are no talking heads. There are lots of sometimes melancholy then and now images. If you're intrigued, we've posted an extended excerpt of A Land for War at connectingvets.com slash ionveterans. Connectingvets.com slash ionveterans. Log on and check it out. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.